Um, let's come now and think about this passage a little bit to, um, together. And one of the things I want you to notice from this passage is just the, the tone of it, the excessive and overwhelming joy, and notice what the joy is at. The joy is at giving. Now, I don't know how um, it went if you had children when it came to the bit about giving up the chocolate coins at the end. I was hoping that my, um, my children were going to be freely, oh, yeah, we've got so many, let's give them away. But immediately they were, of course, oh, I'm not sure I want to give it away, Dad. And that's the human heart. It's not whether you're a child or whether you're an adult as well. It's the same deal, isn't it? When it comes to giving, you don't feel joy about giving away. It feels like loss. Um, there was a, a survey done um, by Charities Aid Foundation that found the number one motivation for giving amongst people in the UK today is duty. Duty. A sense of giving back to society, a sense of doing what's right. And look, duty's fine, it will get you so far, but it's not exactly on the scale with joy, is it? Exuberant, uh, free, um, spontaneous joy. Just let me give, I want to give, let me give more. So what causes that? in David's life. Look at verse 17 with me, and you'll get a sense of what's going on. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I've given willingly and with honest intent, and now I've seen how, with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. I think we all want this type of response when we give, but how do we get it? Well, let's think first of all about um, God, the generous giver, ourselves, the humble recipients, and finally giving a response to grace. God, the generous giver. The starting point for joy in giving, and actually the starting point for our hearts as we face the situation in Ukraine, wherever we're coming from, cannot be the point of need. And it similarly can't be ourselves and our resources about how we address that need. If we start there, we will have no joy, none whatsoever. I remember a number of years ago, um, when I worked at Christians in Sport, we were kind of growing as a charity, we were quite young as a charity, and um, uh, the recession hit. And we were pulled in as a senior staff and we were told, if the giving situation does not substantially change in the next month, then you are all going to have to be laying off at least one person from your department. I would like you all to now go away, look at your department roster, and come back to me in a few hours with who you would lay off, so we can work out the financial implications. Let me just say, that was one of the most painful meetings I've ever been in, because I was working with friends, with people I knew had family commitments, and so suddenly the stark reality of you, you don't have the money and you might lose it. And immediately my heart went in two parallel directions. One, anxiety. What is this going to mean for these people? What is it going to mean for us as an organization? So suddenly my heart was gripped by the need and anxiety resulted. On the other hand was activism. What can I do? How can we raise more money? How can we do a giving campaign, right? Neither felt settled. And then our general director said, before we go and do that, let's pray. No anxiety, no activism. Suddenly just bringing God into the center of the thing and everything changed. And I'd love to tie that story up in a bow because actually God did provide miraculously. A major donor stepped forward and was able to give the money and we were okay. But whether that had happened or not, the point is not the, re the result, the point is the heart attitude. And similarly, notice how David's giving here flows from a big view of God. Verses 10 to 13. Praise be to you, O Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. First of all, he starts with his relationship to God. I think this would better be translated when I was looking at the Hebrew as praise be to you, Lord, the God of Israel, our father from everlasting to everlasting. 
In other words, this is saying that God is not some remote, distant deity. He is your Father. And He's not just your Father for a moment. He's your Father for eternity. He loves you. He couldn't be more invested in you. There's nothing He won't do for you. I'm just a sinful human being, and I, I love the socks off my two boys. There's nothing I won't do for them. And I'm a sinner. How much more the Father of heaven, who is without imperfection, who is perfect in His holiness, who is infinite in His grace and mercy, how much more does He love you? And therefore, when you really think about that, you think, He's got this situation. Where has Artem's confidence been in the last week or so? Not in himself. Not in some distant deity who's very powerful, but who knows whether he'll intervene. It's been in a father. He's been crying out, Father. And whatever our need, whether material, whether spiritual, whether social, whether international, that's the starting point. Father, you're our father. But notice who this father is, because it's just astonishing. Verses 11 and following. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. In other words, this is who God is. He loves you beyond your wildest dreams, but He has everything in His hands, literally. He created everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He put billions upon billions of stars and galaxies into the night sky. He's the potentate of time. He's been in control of all things. Nothing is outside of His sphere of influence. Nothing is outside of His control. Nothing is too big for Him. There is nothing that is too ambitious for him. And everything you have, David is saying, and reminding his own heart and reminding us today, comes from him. What do you have that he has not given you as a free gift of love? Everything comes from God. And so therefore, when it comes to prayer or when it comes to giving, you can be joyous. You can be free. You can be uncoerced about it. Why? Because God is your everything, and God has given you everything, so in response, what do you do? You say, well, Lord, it's not really mine anyway. And so you can give. There's a great story that's told. I think it's apocryphal, but I love it, and I've used it before, so I'll use it again, of Alexander the Great. And one of his generals had a daughter who was getting married, and so as was the custom in ancient Greece at the time, the general approached Alexander the Great and said, it's my daughter's wedding. Um, would you like to give a gift? And Alexander the Great was feeling magnanimous, and so he said, go to my treasury, and anything you want in all of my treasury, it's yours. And so he went down to the treasury, and then uh, a bit time later, the um, treasurer came up looking a little bit ashen-faced, and Alexander the Great said, is everything all right? He said, well, it's the size of the request that the general has made. I mean, it would be more natural, my lord, for him to ask for something far, far less. I mean, he oversteps it. And Alexander the Great famously says, give him what he asks, for he does me a great honor. He shows that he knows I am both rich and generous. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but isn't that a wonderful picture what do you think the Lord says when you come to him with big prayers? Lord, intervene in Ukraine. Or what do you think he says when we come to him with ambitious financial plans and we want to give? 
Or what do you think he, he says when you look at your finances, you think, I don't have much to give, Lord. Where am I going to find the wherewithal? He says, know that I am both rich and generous. There's nothing I do not have. And everything you have, I've given to you. And there's nothing I won't do for you. So don't worry. Give freely. Give joyously. Give with honest intent. Because I'm God. It's so different, isn't it? If we have that heart attitude that says, I've done it. We, we tie ourselves in knots. Look at this next bit as we see how David therefore sees himself in light of this. Verse 14. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Now pause for a moment. This is towards the end of David's life. Uh, you know, who is David? Good question, right? I mean, warrior, king, poet, one of the most famous people in all of history, uh, a person that songs and films are going to be written about throughout the ages. Right now, he's the person ordering the whole construction of the temple. He's um, about to pass that on to his great son, Solomon. I mean, who is David? I mean, there's quite a lot of things he could say about himself, right? Who am I? Well, you know, it's David. But he doesn't see himself that way. How does he see himself as a humble recipient? In other words, what have you got? What have I got that has not been given as a free gift of God's grace? You say, well, okay, Pete, but I've worked hard for my career, and the money I've got in my bank is from my career. Well, who gave you the energy to work? Who gave you the career opportunities? Who gave you the brain and the mind that enables you to think of things such that you're actually a valuable employee? Who sustained you throughout your education? Did you give birth to yourself? I mean, where did the idea of you come from? You see, what do you have, my friend, that has not been given to you from God? It's not yours anyway. It never was. That's the great myth of the human ego. It's been given to you freely by God. And when you see yourself like that, you know what? You become like David. You say, who am I? And your heart goes from this which is when you've worked for it and you've got it and you've had to grab it. It goes from this to this. Who am I? Oh, you know how attractive that. People with hearts like that, you do not want to spend much time around them, right? They're always dropping into conversations, the things they've done for you and the things they've done for other people. Just the sheer ego of it all is just exhausting, right? But when you spend time with people like that, one of my great privileges in planting church with Mark and alongside 34, as we affectionately call you, family, fools and friends, way back when we planted Inspire, was seeing donors who were giving quite considerable sums of money to this harebrained idea, just seeing their disposition. You know what? Their lightness of touch of these people who are giving large sums of money is astonishing. Not one, not one ever said, there's a quid pro quo here. Not one ever said, I want representation on the leadership team. Not one ever said, you better do this ministry with my money. You know that. Not one. They gave like this. I give the money to the Lord. I give it to you. I wouldn't be giving you the money if I didn't think that you could use it wisely. So over to you. All I ask is you keep me updated so I can rejoice in what the Lord does through it. How liberating. Friends, in my experience... The reason that people become kind of major donors is because they just get that joy from giving like that. Which brings me to the last little bit in the last minute or so. 
giving, a free response to grace. I just want to outline for you that giving is grace upon grace upon grace. Let me unpack that. Grace upon grace upon grace. First of all, the very fact you've got anything to give is grace because it's from God. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's from Him. So that's grace. There's the first grace. Then giving itself is an act of grace because you bless someone else with it, right? And if you give properly, you're not saying a quid pro quo or anything in return. So it's grace upon grace. But the last bit that I think we often forget is this grace upon grace upon grace. What do I mean by that? When you give, you are blessed in at least two ways. First of all, you are blessed because when you give, you divest your heart of being attached to something which is not going to last, money, this world, your reputation, all the things you can do with the money, and you instead invest your heart in something of real worth, God, His kingdom, a social initiative, peace in Ukraine. So you're training your heart in a very, very deep-seated way. Is that not grace? You're becoming less materialistic and more concerned about other people. You're becoming less of this world and more concerned about God. That is grace. So by giving, you are actually blessing yourself. Grace upon grace upon grace. And as you give as well, guess what? As you invest in those initiatives and you hear what God does with it, you know what you feel? That most uncommon of all British emotions? Joy. Because you go, wow, you did that through my giving? But that was not my money anyway. It was money you gave to me. So it's grace upon grace upon grace, right? So here's the question, friends, if that's all true, why would you not give more? And hear me, this is not emotional manipulation to give to this church. Financially, we're fine. We're not at a point of need. You know I'm about to leave anyway, so it's not to giving to me directly. This is about you giving. I want you to be blessed, my friends. So give. Give freely. Give willingly. Give joyously and be a bit un-British. And regarding the situation in, in Ukraine, let's pray with that type of confidence as well. The Lord is in control. He loves us. He's the Father of eternal mercies. He's in control of all things. There's nothing He can't do, and there's nothing He won't do for His children. So pray, give, trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we praise You and thank You. You are so good to us, so good to us. We don't see it that way often. We're so sorry, Lord. Forgive us for our hearts that are so often grabbing and holding and mine, that very visceral emotion that we see in our children, but actually, if we're honest, we see in ourselves. Instead, open the hands of our hearts to be free and willing and joyous and to give generously and to experience the grace upon grace upon grace of that. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.